Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's the reason Joseph said, that's why I left Canaan. That's why I left Canaan to come into Egypt in Genesis 45.5. Genesis 45.5. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, who went before us to prepare a place for us in John 14.1. John 14.1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Just as we see, we will see actually, Joseph's family leaving Canaan. They're gonna leave it all behind. All their stuff, you said, don't even bother. We're gonna see Joseph's family leaving Canaan for the place that Joseph prepared for them in Goshen We're going to leave. We're going to leave this earth. We're going to come to the place where the Lord Jesus Christ prepared for us in the Father's house. Can't wait, right? Can't wait to go to that place. And Joseph spent all those years in prison. He was a long time in prison. And then he was exalted. But his brothers only spent three days in prison. And the Lord Jesus Christ paid the full penalty for our sins on the cross. And so what? We just have to go through death with no sting, and because we won't be cast into the place of eternal death called hell. And after those brothers will come to see that it was their own brother who saved Egypt. It was their own brother who saved Egypt from starvation. And those brothers are gonna see that all those Egyptians are gonna come to their brother Joseph and say the words of Genesis 47, 25. Genesis 47, 25, the highlight of Joseph's life when it says, and they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. When those brothers see all those Egyptians come to their brother Joseph and say, Thou hast saved our lives, you know what those brothers are going to realize? They're going to realize that their brother Joseph, whom they rejected, has saved the lives of the Egyptians. And as a matter of fact, Joseph's brothers are going to say, It was because we rejected our brother. We rejected our brother Joseph. Then he ended up in Egypt, and he ended up saving all the lives of the Egyptians. And that's going to be what the Jewish people are going to see. They're going to observe, and they're going to see when they come, finally, someday, when they come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're going to realize their Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom they rejected, has saved the lives of so many Gentiles. Case in point. (laughs) And at that time, The Jewish people are going to say, it's because we rejected our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he ended up saving the lives of all these Gentiles. 
And then I'm going to see the truth in Romans 11.11. Romans 11.11 says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, Joseph says to them what he really wants them to do. And he's drilling down on this in verse 20. In verse 20 it says, verse 20, but bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Now we see Joseph here driving to have Benjamin come to him. This is what he's driving for. Why do you think Joseph insisted that Benjamin had to come to him? Why do you think? It was a test, okay, to see if, if, like he said, if they were gonna be true or not. That's what it says on the surface, actually. Okay, okay, Benjamin was his full brother. Let me ask a different question. How many stars bowed down to Joseph in his dream? Eleven. Eleven, right? Who is Benjamin? He's the 11th star. (laughs) He's the 11th star. He hasn't come down to bow down to Joseph yet. So what we see Joseph doing here is being guided by the dream. He's guided by the dream that God gave him when he insists that Benjamin has to come. And we have to wonder, how did Joseph know to do next this whole drama of this chapter here? How did Joseph know to do next, know what to do next? Because he's actually changing his mind. And the answer is, he didn't. (laughs) He didn't know what to do next. But for Joseph, his dream was the revealed word of God. And he was being guided by his word of God, which was his dream. And the same is true for us. How do we know what we should do next in, the, in our individual unfolding dramas of our lives? And the answer is, we don't. We don't know. But just like Joseph, just like Joseph, who was guided by his dream for what to do next, which was to demand Benjamin come, so we're guided by the Bible, the Word of God, for what we should do in the unfolding drama of our lives. Now, at this point, we gotta remember, the brothers have not told Joseph the name of their younger brother, which was Benjamin, but they, he doesn't know that. So as far as they know, Joseph does not know that the name of their younger brother is Benjamin. And having nearly spilled the beans by saying, I fear Elohim, Joseph's gotta be really careful, don't use that name Benjamin, <laughs> or else you're really gonna give yourself away. So he keeps saying, your younger brother, your younger brother, He's insisting here, verses 15 and 20, 15 and 20, their younger brother must be brought to him. The point is that even though Joseph does not know why it's important for Benjamin to be brought to him, he does know that the revealed word of God from the dream was that the 11th star Benjamin had to come and bow down to him. That's why the Bible is so important for us to read daily. Because like Joseph, we run into these situations in life where we don't know what to do next And it's the revealed word of God in the Bible that guides us like the dream guided Joseph. Now, Joseph says to them, the reason he wanted, and this is what you were saying, Donna, the reason he wanted, or somebody said that. Anyway, yeah, the reason he wanted their younger brother to be brought to him in verse 20 was, so shall your words be verified and you shall not die. Now, does that seem a little strange to you? Does what Joseph said just there seem a little strange to you? Let me explain. Notice how in verse 20, how Joseph is talking to, who's he talking to here? He's talking to the group 
that's going to be going back to get Benjamin and bring him. He's talking to the group of brothers that are going back home. Joseph is not talking to the one who's going to be kept in the prison saying to him, bring your youngest brother back to me because he's not going home. He's staying in the prison. And so he can't, he can't bring Benjamin back. So clearly here, Joseph is talking to the brothers, the other brothers, the other brothers in verse 20. And he's just said to the brothers that only one of them is going to be kept in prison while the others go home with the food. And if they don't bring Benjamin back with them, Joseph did not say here, the one who's in prison, who was Simeon, the one who was in prison would die. But he says, you will all die. I mean, Joseph did not say, bring your youngest brother back to me so what you say can be verified so Simeon will not die, so this one won't die. But what Joseph did say in verse 20, bring your youngest brother to me so that what you say can be verified or you all will not die. So in other words, if they didn't bring Benjamin back and they stayed there, let's say they left, they left and they stayed home and they didn't bring Benjamin back to them. Joseph had no control to kill them there. They were outside of Egypt. How could Joseph make a statement like this? How could Joseph say that they will all die if Joseph only kept one of them in his custody? What was Joseph thinking when he said that the penalty for not bringing Benjamin back was that they were all going to die? Okay, clearly the issue here is the famine. The famine. Joseph is sure that they're all going to be back because he knows that the food he's giving them will not last them to carry them through the whole famine. So Joseph knows the famine is going to force them back to him so he can kill them. Now, that's an interesting scene. That's an interesting scene. And we've got to wonder, what were the brothers thinking when they heard him in essence say, you'll be back. I know you'll be back, even if it means you're going to risking being put to death. I know you'll be back because I know the famine is going to last for years longer. And now the brothers understood that Joseph was saying to them, it doesn't matter that I do not keep you all in prison, that I don't put you all in custody. I'll still be able to kill you. Uh, I'll be able to kill you all because you're all going to be forced back by the famine. And And if you don't come back, you'll starve to death. The famine, you'll come back to me. Even if you have to risk your own execution, you are coming back. Now, what do you think the brothers were thinking? The brothers were thinking, how does he know that? (laughs) Where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Okay, let's think about this from the brothers' point of view. Dad was pretty adamant that Benjamin's not going to Egypt. So dad may not let us take Benjamin back to Egypt Now, let's think this through. The brothers would be talking among themselves. Let's think this through. If we're not able to bring Benjamin down to Egypt, what does that mean? Well, if Benjamin cannot be brought down to Egypt, that leaves us only two possibilities. On the one hand, if we don't go back, then Simeon will die. Okay. On the other hand, if we do go back, then Simeon will die and all of us will die. Let's see, which possibility shall we choose? (laughs) Bye-bye, Simeon. Sorry, pal. Okay. 
But the brothers understood that Joseph was saying that the second possibility wasn't possible because Joseph was saying that with or without Benjamin, you'll be back. You'll be back because the famine is going to last for years and starvation is going to drive you back to me. Now, at this point, the brothers had to be thinking, maybe the famine is going to break this year. How does he know? And there'll be no need for us to go back to Egypt. But one thing's for sure, he sure doesn't think so. He's 100% convinced that the famine and starvation is going to drive us back to him. Why is he so convinced? Why is he so sure that the famine is not going to break? And why was Joseph so convinced that the famine wasn't going to break? Why? The dreams, the dreams, back to the dreams. Not his dreams, his time, Pharaoh's dreams. It's Pharaoh's dreams, where there were the seven lean cows and the seven thin corn, ears of corn, and they indicated that there was going to be seven years of famine. So Pharaoh's dreams were the revealed word of God to Joseph. So again, we see Joseph relying on the revealed word of God for reality. Now that's a picture. That's a picture of us in the world. We, like Joseph, rely on the Bible as a revealed word of God for reality. And when we see Joseph's brothers seeing how convinced Joseph was from the revealed word of God that the famine would not break, we see the world looking at us and seeing how convinced we are that the revealed word of God, the Bible, is true. For example, like Joseph, we rely on the revealed word of God, the Bible, to tell what's going to happen to every person after death. As it says in Hebrews 9.27, we believe this. For as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We believe that. We believe John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We believe Revelation 20, 15. Revelation 20, 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We believe those things. And just as Joseph revealed on the relied on the revealed word of God from the dreams, we rely on the revealed word of God, the Bible, to know that every person is going to be brought to judgment. And they will come to that judgment either having come to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior or not. And if not, then they're not written in the book of life and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. Just as Joseph was 100% sure that the famine was not going to break for years, we're 100% sure and convinced that every person will either go to heaven or hell depending on what they have done with the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as Joseph's brothers were not sure the famine would not break, and they were probably thinking, well, no one can really be sure the famine is not going to break. But the brothers were sure that Joseph was sure that the famine was not going to break. So the world says to us, I don't know what's going to happen to me after death, but I think that no one can be sure of what will happen after death. Now, we read a very interesting detail at the end of verse 20. The end of verse 20, it says, and they did so. Obviously, it doesn't mean that right then they immediately produced a Benjamin because they had to go home first. But with that statement, they did so, it means that they set themselves to do so. When it says they did so, it means like they're in the position of saying, consider it done consider it done. In other words, the brothers committed themselves to bring Benjamin to Joseph, and they were saying, it's as good as done. 
it's as good as done. So when it says, and they did so, it means they were saying to Joseph, absolutely, we are going to bring Benjamin down to you. Consider it done. When they said that, it did, did so. It, doesn't, it, it means there was no question in their mind. They're going to come back with Benjamin. Now, now, their first move to bringing Benjamin down would be to convince Jacob to let Benjamin go. But if that didn't work, what would their next move be? What would it be? First, they're going to try to convince Jacob. But if he didn't agree, what would their next move be? They're going to bring Benjamin. There's only a possibility. <laughs> they kidnap him. They <laughs> kidnap him. Do they have any experience of removing a son from Jacob? And <laughs> yes, we have these. We have experience extracting sons from Jacob, getting them into Egypt. They knew. So this is what it means in verse 20 when it says they did so. Now, the brothers are really in trouble. They've just spent three days in a prison of death. They have a death sentence over their head, unless they produce Benjamin. The man who controls whether they will live or die is being rough with them and seems to be a little unstable and changing his mind. And Simeon's going to be left in prison and is now, you can imagine Simeon pressuring them, don't leave me here (laughs) in prison. And they're worried that after what happened to Joseph, that Jacob is going to guard Benjamin like an eagle guards her young. And so they're under a lot of pressure now. And it's under this pressure in verse 21 where they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother. I mean, under this pressure, for the first time in 23 years, they say the words, we are verily guilty concerning our brother. First time in 23 years. And these are beautiful words. These are wonderful words. God's been waiting for these words. Joseph's been waiting for these words for 23 years. Beautiful words. I am, very, I am really guilty. Not like the little girl in the CEF booth in Del Mar when I asked her if she'd ever lied. And then she turned and points to her brother and says, he has. <laughs> God wants to hear, I am truly guilty. And I'm so glad when they said, verily, that they said, I am verily guilty. We are verily guilty. There's a difference between saying to God, I'm guilty, and I'm really guilty. There's a difference between saying to God, I'm a sinner, and I'm really a sinner. I'm the DRS type, the dirty, rotten sinner. And there's also a difference between saying, we are verily guilty from what they did say in verse 21. We are verily guilty concerning our brother. You know, in the CEF booth, I like to ask each child, have you ever lied And then in the sinner's prayer, I like to lead the child and say, not just to say I'm a sinner, but to lead each child to say, I'm a sinner because I lied. And before praying the sinner's prayer, I tell the children, now you just told me that you've lied. Now it's time to tell God that you've lied. Like these brothers, brothers here in verse 21, they're saying one to another, they are guilty. And the next step is that they have to tell God they are guilty. So when they said, we are verily guilty, that means they really felt the weight of this guilt. And it doesn't that seem strange to you that no one has said anything about Joseph until this time when they're under all this pressure being threatened with death and all the other rest of it. And now they have no hesitation. It just comes out. You know, we are verily guilty concerning our brothers. That's true of man. That's true as man. As long as life is good, sins of the past are not confessed and forsaken. I mean, why would we do that? This shows that for 23 years, 
They have been carrying this terrible weight of guilt over what they did to Joseph, and there's been no relief. For 23 years, this guilt has been destroying their souls like a cancer that's consuming them from the inside, all their strength and life from them. It's so sad to think of their lives the last 23 years where they have this like hidden internal leprosy that's just eating them up from the inside. But these words, we are verily guilty, is the start of the recovery process. The recovery process. And that's why the first step in the Alcoholic Anonymous is to admit that you're an alcoholic. And what we are seeing here is a wonderful, it's like a dawn. Repentance is like a dawn. It's like a dawn. It's a dawn because sin is darkness. As it says in John 3.19, John 3.19, this is the condemnation. Light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But repentance is this dawn from the darkness because the Lord Jesus Christ is the light. He's the light that shines in the darkness, as it says in Matthew 4.16. Matthew 4.16, the people who sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region shadow of death, light is sprung up. And the first word that the Lord Jesus Christ said when he began to preach, anybody know? His very first word as he started his ministry of preaching, his first preached word was... Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. That was his first word. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's his first word, repent. Confess and forsake. Confess and forsake. So that's what makes these words so wonderful about the brothers when they say we are verily guilty. When they said that, it was like they had finally framed the pictures of what they had done to Joseph, and they finally put the frame around it that said sin, and the Lord's been waiting for them to frame those pictures like he's been waiting for Israel. In Hosea 5.4, Hosea 5.4, they will not frame their doings to turn unto their God for the midst of spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. They have not known the Lord. In Hosea 5.15, Hosea 5.15, I will go, God says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense, seek my face and their affliction, they will seek me early. There's only one reason. There's only one reason why these brothers said they were really guilty, and it was the reason is because the pressure, the pressure that Joseph had applied to them made them say, we are verily guilty. And this is the only reason a person today will say, I'm really guilty. It's because of the pressure that they're feeling, either externally from the circumstances of life or internally from the pressures of feeling ashamed and dirty, guilty. So they're starting to realize that they're guilty but only among themselves. And now Joseph's got to wait. Finally, they're going to go to God. So this passage, let's take to heart. Four lessons. Four lessons we've seen from the passage. First, fearing God who controls powerful people. Fearing God who controls powerful people. Second, not relying on all of the control systems in our lives. Third, trusting the revealed word of God for reality. And fourth, avoid all this pressure in life by just going ahead and confessing and forsaking sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, this beautiful way in which you led Joseph into these very, very impossible situations. But we can see, and those brothers who are going to see them say, Jesus led me all the way. And thank you, Joseph can say, Jesus led me all the way. And so, Lord, we look to you. Life, Jesus, lead us all the way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Christmas Under the Stars is back at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Christmas Under the Stars is a free family Christmas program on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. Enjoy a live nativity, Christmas carolers, cookie decorating, ornament design, games, rides, petting zoos, and a dinosaur garden of lights. Family Christmas photos, holiday fair food, and astronomer star viewing and presentation by astronomer Spike Saras. And a Christmas message by Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor and Free Creation Museum admission on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. For more information about Christmas Under the Stars and Dinosaurs at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m., call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or visit the Creation Museum online at creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org.